Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 99. Holy shit, 99. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And I don't normally swear in the first sentence of my intro, but fuck, man. Like, I just got done editing this episode. And as I'm recording this, I'm filled with so much energy because my guest this week is Keenan. His name is Jim Keenan, but he goes by Keenan, and he's the founder of a sales guy. Now, what is a sales guy? A sales guy offers consulting services, educational services, everything that you would need. If you have a sales organization, you can get through Keenan. He's a thought leader. He's a content creator. He's a mover. He's highly caffeinated. And this episode is just filled to the brim with energy and inspiration. And holy shit, I'll say it again. What an episode. I could not be more thrilled that this is how I close it out just before episode 100. What's most amazing about this episode that actually didn't make it to Mike. We turned off. We were done. I'd kept Keenan from his lunch. He got his lunch delivered. We sat down. We did the interview. He's got a jam-packed day. He's got a ton going on. And if you go to a salesguy.com, you'll see everything that he's got there. He's built this unbelievable platform with just tons and tons of info and content and useful stuff. If you work in sales, you will learn something from Keenan because he's got a very aggressive brand. He very much believes in himself. And he's got a unique set of insights that he can share with you. Now, if you don't work in sales, this is just a great episode to get you passionate about whatever it is you want to do. Now, he got me passionate about my podcast. And I hesitate to even say that because I'm always passionate about the podcast. But he got me thinking about it in a new way. So when we turned the mics off, he asked me, he's like, what do you want to do with this? Like, where do you want it to go? What is the value proposition for your listeners? And I go, holy shit. Like, it's been a long time since I've thought of that. I'm jumping from lily pad to lily pad to lily pad, you know, bringing you this episode, this episode, this episode. What is the fucking through line for these episodes? And it's something I'm thinking about. So, coming up, next week, we've got the 100th episode. So, I'll do a quick plug here. And it's with me. I'm getting interviewed by Simon Lomax. Simon Lomax was the guest on episode 18. He's a former journalist, and he's raring to go to talk to me. I don't know what he's going to ask me, but I think you'll be entertained by it no matter what. Now, following that episode, once I sort of get the screws put to me a little bit, you may see some changes in the John of All Trades podcast, or you may just see a difference in the way that I talk about it. Because this show is ultimately geared towards you. I want to create content that is meaningful to you, that gives you insight, that builds empathy throughout the world. Because we all have something interesting that we do. Our work is our life. It's where we spend the majority of our time. Yet we don't understand what each other does. So this show is about two things. It's about building empathy and building knowledge. And it's important that I convey that to you. Because as much as I love doing this show, as much as this show is for me, and it is, this show is more for you. I wouldn't do this if I didn't think it brought value to your day. So I thank you for listening to it. And it means the world to me that you have chosen to spend some time with me and my guests and hearing their story and learning about them. It's through learning about each other. And I've been thinking about this a lot too in a very fractious presidential campaign. 
where you have a lot of negative rhetoric going around all the time. Just so much animosity, negativity, people calling each other names. No, that is not our best work. That is absolutely not our best work. And so this show looks to share insight and build empathy for your fellow people. Everyone's got challenges in their job. I don't think we understand them. I don't think we appreciate them. I try to shed some light on that. So that's what I'm all about. And that insight came to me just like in waves lapping on the shore after Keenan sort of just asked me some very pointed questions that I couldn't answer immediately. So his insight is unbelievable. You'll listen to this show and man, if you're not jazzed up, if you're walking your dog or you're at the gym and you're not going faster listening to this show, man, I don't know what to tell you because I left the conversation energized. I think you will too. As I mentioned, next week is the 100th episode of the John of All Trades podcast. Very excited to bring that to you. So I encourage you to subscribe on iTunes. And if you like this show and you want to see it continue, and it sounds like fucking PBS, it's not. But if you want to help me move up, if you want to have other people get their earballs into this show, give me a rating, give me a review, do a subscription. That helps on iTunes. You can do the same thing on Stitcher. Just search John of All Trades. You'll be able to find me. I'm the number one ranking if you type in John of All Trades. Additionally, social media is a great way to share these episodes. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T pod. Get the word out. It would mean something to me because I think this show can mean something to a lot of people as we build empathy and we understand each other better. So please share this show around. Do whatever you can. And I'd like to give some love to my sponsor as well. We're all in this consulting realm. Keenan's a sales consultant. I'm a communications consultant. How about a social media consultant? My sponsor from the beginning has been Four Degrees. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. No one out there is better than they are at building a campaign for you online. If you need to get your message in front of people, they will find the correct people and they will get your message in front of them in a way that's meaningful, in a way that converts them, in a way that gets them to take the action you want them to take. Isn't that what we're all trying to do here? I think so. So contact four degrees, find them on the web, the number four, D E G R E dot E S. Okay. Enough preamble. Let's get to Keenan. Keenan is episode 99. He's a sales guy, super high energy, a lot of fun, super inspirational. Cannot wait for you to hear this episode. So let's start it and let's start it right now. I had to do my final punches for the uh, for the book. The audio book comes out. Right. I guess it's going to be done today. So whenever I actually put it up there and have her stop promoting it. but Okay. So I had to do the final punches today and do a little more reading. So I always get tired. I don't know why, but reading for audiobook is exhausting. Oh, like doing voiceover? Yeah. Yeah, that exhausting. is exhausting. Yeah, well, it, it wrecks your throat and you have to be on and you have to emote. It it, it all comes from within you. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those things where it's collaborative. It's like you and a microphone and that's it. And I stand. I don't sit when I do it. So no. I stand the whole time too. And well, so, that's better for your diaphragm. That's better for breathing. Yeah, and I wouldn't have known that. So uh, it, <laughs> it's part of what I do. It's part yeah. of the communications coaching. So uh, sitting here with Keenan, a salesguy.com, right? Yes. That's, that's the best place to find you. Yes. So first question. Or Google. Oh, or Google. <laughs> So, first question I'd like to ask you is, when was the last time anyone called you Jim? Was it me uh, when I pitched you? Yeah, probably you when you pitched me. I mean, people call me Jim a lot still. Um, people who don't know me, right. mostly, and friends from along, you know, and friends sure. from back in the day, but new acquaintances and people who met me online and know me through Twitter and all that call me Keenan. Right. Why the one name? Like, why, why'd you 
shorten it? Was that an intentional choice? Well, kind of, but not really, right? So, you know, friends from high school call me Jimmy still. So if you oh, go, nice. if you all surf right. Facebook, you know, all my friends from high school call me Jimmy because we're up in Massachusetts and that's what they do. You call it Jimmy. Then I moved out here to go to college and it moved to Jim. Uh, and then, I don't know, somewhere in college and then slightly after that, I'd say 50, 60% of my friends call me Keenan. Right. And then I grabbed the Keenan, um, what do you call it? The Keenan hat, not Keenan. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The Help Twitter me. handle. Twitter hand, handle, that's what I'm looking yeah. for. The handle on Keenan hit Twitter handle. So that started driving Keenan. And then it's just, you know, Jim's boring. So, right. you know, people, more and more people started calling me Keenan. And then Jim found, sounded silly when someone's like, oh, here's right. Jim. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't sound so good. A little too formal. And by the way, uh, this, is, this is Kiki. And uh, she's hooking us up with some water here, which is there great. Thanks, sister. Oh, you're good for a lot more than that. Kiki's my admin and, and marketing lady, and she's awesome. She's yeah, and awesome. You, you you did great work in setting this up, so thank you. You're quite welcome. Awesome. Thanks, sister. So, yeah, it's funny. In my life, I know where people know me from based on what they call me. If it's from when I'm a kid, you know, I was Jonathan. Yep. And then uh, then it was John, and that was just pure laziness. People just didn't want to say the whole thing. And at some point, you got to stop fighting them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then uh, – if people call me Johnny or X, then I know that's from college. Mm-hmm. And so it's just weird how it evolves over time. But yeah, everyone I know or everyone I've seen online, and this is how you present yourself in your videos and stuff, but you're just Keenan. Yes. So, I mean, you're like Madonna or Cher. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> or Moses. Or Prince. Or Moses. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It's kind of working, right? Like, so any. Like anything else, anything you can do that can stand out that's not inauthentic. Right? Right. I didn't just wake up one day and force everybody to call me Keenan. What sure. I saw was a large portion of people already were. And so rather than just have some people call me Jim and other call me this, I figured, all right, let's just steer this in a direction. Yeah, that lean is, into it, right? Yeah, and lean into it. Good choice of words. So I leaned into it, and it's worked out well. I mean, it creates conversation. Right. And no one forgets me. It's a lot less boring than Jim, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. I mean, that's I, I would call that that type of choice is reflective of the overall philosophy of your business where it's like what works and, and how do you grow your business? How do you grow your sales practice in a way that's organic but distinctive? Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah it, okay. Yes and no. Because okay. at the end of the day, you know, people can't see me, but I also wear a red plaid shirt. Uh, all the time, which is funny because dudes think it's the same shirt, which proves the point guys are colorblind and <laughs> chicks realize it's a different shirt. Just It's still just red plaid, right? So sure. that's classic. But what I say is that's all fine and dandy, whether it's my red plaid shirts or going by my last name or as you hear, you know, you have the, what looks like a, a garage, John of all trades garage thing. It all helps with the brand, but none of that means a hill of beans. It doesn't do shit unless you actually have solid information, content, knowledge that you can share and enlighten people with. So in spite of what appears to be a pretty disciplined approach to my brand, I spend a lot more time focused on the depth of my content and the the knowledge that I can bring to organizations. Well, I mean, in terms of the name and the shirt, I mean, those are all intentional branding choices that at some point just become almost like boilerplate. Yes. You know, but you need to be consistent in that because people go, oh, man, that's Keenan. I yes. see him in the red shirt. And people probably put a little bit too much emphasis on that, whereas for you at this point, it's all just part of the routine. And and everything else that, that goes underneath that is where all the work happens. Yes. Well put. Okay. Fantastic. So when you go to a salesguy.com, there's almost an overwhelming amount of content there. You know, it's broken into various sections. There's consulting. There's speaking. There's a sales guy you... How did you come to develop such a robust platform from which to do all these different segments of your business? Time. 
patience and awareness. Okay. I guess. I mean, look, I started the blog in 2009 as a way to mitigate. I'm not even say mitigate. I'm going to flip the script to accelerate my career and to allow my career to create options for my career. The simple premise was in 2009, I had grown extremely quickly. And so if to a blind Pepsi taste test, my resume against someone else's resume, they didn't map up from years of experience. Even though we could have been in the same job, right. they'd say, oh, Keenan's running a $300 million sales team and he's done this, he's done that. But five years ago, he was a bartender. What the fuck? <laughs> right. And then this guy, you know, uh, you know, Paul Jones, he's running a $300 million sales organization. And five years ago that he was running $100 million, And five years before that, he was doing this. And they go back 20 years. like, oh, get rid of this Keenan guy. So I was like, I got to have a way to, you know, really differentiate myself and, and give people content because I can't compete, right? I mean, look, you've you got to play to your strengths. And sure. I couldn't compete on resumes. And this was in, you know, this is back in mid-2000 when – LinkedIn really wasn't doing anything, and so you were still all about resumes. Mm. So I said, okay, shit, if I just start blogging about what it takes to run sales teams, if I start creating a repository of all of the uh, all of the things that I knew and I was doing to help build sales teams and what it took to drive revenue for an organization, it was really simple. I would wake up one day, and if I needed a job, all I'd have to do was say, hey, I'm looking for a job. And that could be – I'd have maybe, what, 100, couple hundred, if I got lucky, 1,000 people who read it. Right. I was like, shit, a thousand people. Someone could find a job in that mess, right? Hell yeah. Two years into it, people started reaching out and saying, hey, I read your article on. Can I get you help? Hey, I saw this. Could you help? And I'll, I'll cut to the chase. And so after another event in my life, I said, screw it. I'm going to start a consulting practice. I've done that same type of market reaction. Gary Vaynerchuk likes to call it, you know, counterpunching that – as things happened, I would see them and say, okay, this is an opportunity. So right. once I did this, I was doing the consulting for two years, two and a half, yeah, about two years. And I had a client who was hiring eight salespeople. And he just simply asked me, hey, if you know any salespeople, I'm hiring. Nice. And I said, how many? He said, eight. And I said, well, how are you doing? He said, I got a recruiter. And I sat there for a second and said, well, if I got a recruiter, would you use me too? He's like, sure. <laughs> so within 90 days, I hired a recruiter, put up a website, built our own structure and, and did it. And then speaking is the same thing. It's just you, you, you see what's in front of you and you react to the market and capitalize on the opportunities. Right. So in this space, who are your main competitors? You just cited Gary Vaynerchuk, right? He's not a competitor. Okay. But I mean, he, I, I have people who will share stuff from him. And then they'll also share stuff from you. So in terms of thought leadership and in this type of space, I would say uh, you, you guys have a very similar energy, if nothing else. Yeah, I get that a lot. You hear that, Gary? I'm compared to you all the time. But my, I'm older than your ass, so you should be compared to me. But yeah, I yeah, get that all the time. The, fuck the Jets, right? Yeah, yeah. Go Pats. Oh, Pats all the way. Okay, all see, the way, yes. this is where we diverge. Yeah. But uh, World champion Broncos. What yes, can I say? I, look, I take that as is as an absolute compliment. I am ten years older than Gary. I was at a speaking engagement eighteen months ago, two years ago, and I was it was an all day type of thing. And I got at the end of it, this guy came up and he goes, "You know who Gary Vaynerchuk is?" And I, I go, "I think I've heard his read his book, Crush It or something, but I don't know him. I know him very well." He goes, "Dude, you two are cut from the same cloth." But he's accomplished so much more than I have. What he was, what he's been able to do since he started with his dad's wine company is off the charts. Um, I actually saw him and, and spoke with him just last week. One of these days, we got to do something together. I, sure, I yeah. blow the world up. But I don't see him as a competitor at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, who, who else is in this type of space that you would count as, as a competitor then? Well, you know, it's, you're asking a really interesting question because I think there are two sides to, the, to this question, right? I think my business, so consulting and recruiting, there are a million different competitors. So when right, I look at the service that I deliver, I help sales organizations grow, expand, scale, turn them around, and deliver on revenue. 
But I mean, that can be as big as Boston Consulting Group with a massive sales organization. Yeah, right. It can be as you know medium sized like the Sales Benchmark Index. I'm not a I'm not afraid. I'll list all my competitors here. Go check them out, and then you'll call me anyways. Okay. Sales Benchmark Index, and and they I, I, what Greg Alexander is doing over this phenomenal. Then there's people that niche groups that do a phenomenal job like Trish Bertuzzi and um, the Bridge Group. I love Trish. And then there's a whole bunch of individuals, folks, like Anthony Iannarino and um, Mike Weinberg and um, Mark Hunter. All of these guys. They're everywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. And then recruiting, bets, recruiting, any sales recruiting organization is a competitor. So I don't think about my competitors. Okay. Right. You clearly know them. Oh, yeah. I'm in the same space. I see them every right. day. Right. But, but you don't think about them. No. Don't think about them. Okay. Why not? That, that seems like an intentional choice. And some Absolutely. people spend a lot of time thinking about their competitors. Why don't you? If I thought about my competitors, I'd look like them. Okay. There you go. And why would I want to look like them? Right. Right. I mean, seriously, I, I have a very unique brand to this organization. I, I've gone deliberate. I've been deliberate in, in building the culture of this organization. Our approaches to consulting, our approaches to recruiting are very different. We deliver the same product. We, we target the same outcomes, but how we get there is very different and something I'm very proud of. And also, look, I, I'm one of those guys who if, if, if I'm looking at it, I'm going to copy it. It's, I'm, okay, I'm, right. I'm creative, but I'm not that creative. It's, there's something about me. I'm, I'm partially a, a maverick and partially an old curmudgeon who just gets stuck in his ways. <laughs> right. So I've learned that if I'm looking at it, I'm going to copy it. So I just don't want to look at it. I just want to pretend it doesn't exist because I've learned over the years I'm creative enough to build my own shit and to create my own stuff only if there's nothing to copy. Right. Does that make any sense? That, no, that makes perfect sense. So just keep me away. Because when I was trying to build a writing brand... I was reading, you know, like a lot of Bill Simmons at one point. All my writing started to sound like fucking Bill Simmons. Yes. And it, it's because he's good and he's created a unique brand. And it's it's almost like when you're listening to a really good pop song, like two of my favorite songs, Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. Yep. It's a great song. And as you're listening to it, there are times where you feel like you're writing it yourself while you're listening to it. Or like Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. Love that song. And I'll be, I'll be driving and I, it's almost like I feel like I'm writing it while it's going on. And which is an insane proposition, but it's an easy trap to get into. Yeah. So I totally get what you're describing. Now, in terms of your brand, you generate an absolute shitload of content. Um, it's, it's an impressive amount of content Thank going, you. going through your website is, I mean, I, I rarely have to do this much show prep to feel like I, I'm going to be <laughs> up to speed on so I can talk to you uh, in an informed way. But how do you balance creating the content with doing the actual consulting work? I mean, how does that calculus play out for you? That's a great. Okay. I mean, I could make this sound like I'm some badass. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm working 23 hours a day. And but the truth, the truth of the matter is I've got what are we in 2016? Yeah. So I started the blog in 2009. So I've got seven. Yeah. To think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so my yeah. math isn't that calculus isn't working too well. Is it? Uh, I got seven years. So seven times 365, right? So that's almost three, uh, 2,800, 2,900, yeah. somewhere in there, right? We're talking 2,500 plus days to create the content. Right. right? Yeah. So you know, that's the first piece. It's it, I've been at it long enough that the content starts adding up. So you've got an impressive back catalog to lean on. Yes. And I and I make it a conscious effort to constantly be creating new content. We're doing a lot more video than we've done before. Yep. I try to do it in ways that I can crank it out in less than a half hour. So we do a show called Hey Keenan, where we take questions from people and, and I turn around and answer them. And that show can be, you know, up and done in, you know, in 20, 25 minutes. Uh, the word is only once every two weeks. So that's right. an hour once every two weeks. Uh, you know, I, we, I made a commitment to create an ebook. I try once a quarter. That can be take time. But, but, you know, look, and the other piece of it is why I think 
it feels like I have so much content is very little has to be taken down. Okay. And yeah. the reason it doesn't have to be taken down is with one or two exceptions. And I'm already thinking of them. It's relevant. I pick my topics so that they're relevant and they're timely. I try my best not to jump on bandwagons that right. are over in six months and it's useless. So, I mean, what you're describing is evergreen content, right? Yes. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you want content that if someone were to come upon like a video of something you were doing in 2012, you want that to still have some relevance and not, you know, not some trend that, that yes. came and went yes. a long time ago. They look at that and they go, okay, this, this guy's chasing cars. Yes. Right. Okay. I follow you. In terms of the brand that you create, I would call it a very aggressive brand. And there are times where you can, you can come across, is it fair to say antagonistic? Yes. Okay. Can you talk to me about, I mean, that, that strikes me as being your personality with the volume turned all the way up, Mm -hmm. but what was it like creating that brand and do people ever react negatively to it? Yeah, of course they do. And first I want to give you mad props for even recognizing Good on you for doing the homework and, and, and digging that in and seeing that. Um, absolutely, people respond negatively. You, you know, I, I can't be something for everybody. You know, look, <laughs> right. giant companies like Coke and Microsoft and I'm going to leave Apple out of it, actually. They've done a good job of avoiding this. But not being antagonizing is exceedingly difficult when you get bigger because you need more market and you need to appeal to more people. Yeah, growth is everything, right? Yes. Well, I'm not trying to, to appeal to a billion people. I don't, I, I don't need to build a billion-dollar consulting practice. I mean, the idea of that is just makes my stomach turn. <laughs> um, but what I do, and I even say in, in my uh, About Me chief antagonist, look, no change comes without something being antagonized. I mean, what do they call that thing in a washing machine? The, uh, oh, the agitator. agitator. Thank yeah. you. You have to agitate. And that's the only way you can make change. So usually the people who I frustrate or are put off are people who don't want to hear it. Hmm. The people who are like, yeah, you, you, you show them the mirror and they're pissed at the person who showed them the mirror. <laughs> right? Not at the reflection in the mirror. They're, how dare you just show me how fucking ugly I am? Oh, how dare you? Well, that, that's kind to me. That's generally speaking. Those are the people that are put off. Other than that, I have raving fans who right. the constant compliment I get is, Keenan, you always speak the truth. You always get me thinking. You provide insight I wasn't thinking about. And that is a win for me all day long. Yeah. The term that, that we've been dancing around here that you haven't said expressly, but you're looking for authenticity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is huge. And I, I keep thinking of this quote from the movie Wayne's World where uh, they're talking about what you know their show is going to be when they get bought out by Rob Lowe's character and stuff. And he says, you know, Led Zeppelin didn't write tunes that everyone liked. They left that to the Bee Gees. Yes. And you think who endured. And it's much more Led Zeppelin than it was the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. My favorite type of music is punk rock. Mm-hmm. So I like a little antagonism. I mean, I... That to me is good, and the fact that we were introduced by Steve Silvers, I just, I think it's important that we give him a shout here because otherwise this probably wouldn't have happened. When I met him, I remember the first thing I said to him, I'm like, I really like you because we hate the same people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, I mean, that's very important. Yes. Um, in terms of the aesthetic that you've created, I mean, I'm, I mentioned punk rock, but <clears throat> you, you're not shy about using profanity. Mm-hmm. You've got kind of a street art aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, a lot of cock rock, like in the background mm-hmm. type of stuff. Is that reflective of you or, you know, is that sort of a reflection of, you know, how to motivate salespeople in general? Is that like reflective of, of a profile of a salesperson or is that just sort of of the moment, you know, the, the preferred aesthetic? That's a great question. And I, I think the answer is 
a little bit of both. So it is definitely a little bit of me. I am definitely not your t- – look, I used to be suit, cufflink. I mean, I still have them. And come wedding or funerals, man, I, I am pimping. I you mean, know, right? I-, I have, you know, Canali suits and Armani suits and George Jensen cufflinks from the 1920s. And, you know, I got all that. But, you know, after a while, somewhere along the line, it just – this, and I loved that back then. But around mid-2000, the-, the script flipped, and I'm not sure why. And I just became a much more casual, focused on content and reality and authenticity. Because, look, here's the truth of the matter is, right, even though I love suits, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Suits were a uniform that came from the turn of the century, and they were a differentiator that showed who was well-bred or high-born and who wasn't, mm-hmm. because you couldn't wear a suit in the field, right? So if you had a clean suit, it said you were management. It said it said something about you when there was no other way to learn something about anybody, right? Right, yeah. And it also created conformity. It did a lot. The suits did a lot, but the value of that suit is not required anymore. Yeah, every once in a while, people don't like the way I dress when I go in. Like I had Verizon as a client, and they were a little shocked. Not the people that hired me, but when they brought me into the rest of the people, I mean, red suede Pumas with fat laces. Like, whoa, and this is the guy that's going to turn around our organization? Right. But all it took was 15 minutes to go research me and read like, oh, this cat's smart, right? Right. The suit, you needed that suit to give you credibility. You don't need it anymore. So when I didn't need it for credibility anymore, I was like, screw this. I'm going to be myself. So the answer to your question, sorry. It's partially me, but it's also part of where I believe society is going. What I mean by that is I try to knock down or don't want to play with any of the preconceived inauthentic notions, right? So I know they swear in the boardrooms. Oh, yeah. So why the fuck am I not allowed to swear in a podcast? Right. You all get a closed room and drop F-bombs while sales going down, but God forbid I say something like that. No, that's inauthentic, right? And any person that gets mad at me says I'm professional. Oh, it's a professional in the boardroom. But not when I'm doing – when I'm – no, 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 no. Another one is the way we the way we dress or the music we listen to. You put that boring stuff in the elevator. I know what you guys listen to when you're running down the street. Right. Jay-Z didn't sell a billion records because you're still listening to the Carpenters. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's just about being authentic. I want the real world plopped around us. Okay. So – Long answer. Sorry. No, no. That's, that's what we do here, right? So in terms of the types of clients – I mean you mentioned Verizon mm-hmm. as, as one of your clients – who is the type of organization, if, if you can do a generalized profile, that will seek you out mm-hmm. and, and who you tend to work with? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. My style is definitely a filter, right? So I don't find myself normally working with buttoned up, um, really stiff, old school people. I almost put genders and stuff <laughs> to that, but people. Right. They just don't know what to do with me. That being said... It's any, it's, here's the deal. Any organization that is progressive, mm-hmm. that wants to accelerate sales. So if we want to start putting numbers on it, you know, look, my sweet spot is, is companies between 10 and about $250 million. I've done all size that. I mean, Verizon's much larger than that. Right, of course. Um, and, of, you know, of course, you, you don't take a Verizon, like, you don't eat the whole thing at once. So I was right. working in a, one division. Uh, did really well in there. We had fun with that. So, but they were, in a, they're somewhat of an anomaly. Progressive organizations that see that the world has changed, they are humble and self-aware because it's, selling consulting is an interesting thing. Yeah. You Basically, someone has to say, I'm not doing a good job or I think yep. I could do better or I need help. Right. People do not subscribe to help very often, right? <laughs> so, you, so you're going to subscribe to help and you're going to have someone like me come in. You better be really committed to growth, to change and have the humility that says, hey – 
that guy can help me. And so it's usually companies like that, very progressive. Right. And, and companies that, that can be a little bit self-reflective have to be, I mean, they, they have to go, okay. Some people, you know, you'll say, uh, in my line of work, I also sell consulting and I'll be like, you are not reaching the people that you want to reach with your communications platform. Like you may as well set all this shit on fire and they go, well, we spent a lot of time creating this. Yeah. Who gives a shit. Yeah. Who cares? Like if it's not working for you, just <laughs> fucking chuck it out the window. And so you're right. I mean, I, I came out of corporate and when I left corporate, I, I picked up this new client and it was a much smaller boutique real estate agency. Mm-hmm. And I rewrote their website copy. And the first edit I got back, he goes, I need you to take that suit off and I need you to put the, the jeans back on. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, because you're writing in a very stiff, very corporate, very sort of uh, buttoned up kind of way. Yep. And I go, well, shit, that's what I've been doing for the last five years. And it's hard to shake that off. Yes, it is. We've been trained. We've been trained. Yeah. I've said this in so many videos. We have been trained to what I call have corporate or professional censorship. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean censorship. Yes, with cursing, it's censorship. But I also mean right. censorship in speaking an authentic voice. You read some stuff people write and you know that's not them. Yeah. You know it's not them. You know it's not the person they're writing for. It's just this professional veneer that we put out that doesn't say anything. And I think today's world with social media and everything, people are tired of it. They're, yeah. t- they're like, really? Can someone please just talk to me? Right. Uh, and, and for my money, there's not enough sort of – that's what I'm looking for here. Not necessarily weirdness, but I always love people who are unexpected – and unpredictable people who have unconventional opinions and that's the type of company that i want to work for and that seems what you're sort of describing so that's i mean it's really exciting to get to sit down and talk with you about that thank you man I'm, we're proud of that absolutely when we're talking about the corporate veneer and we're talking about being inauthentic part and parcel to that is the term salesman can have a very negative connotation absolutely and so does that ever bother you or how do you work with that or around that or against that uh- Look, it doesn't bother me because it's been out there forever, right? I don't like it. Right, sure. But it doesn't bother me because if it if salespeople here, the reason salespeople have or sales has a negative connotation is because salespeople built it. Okay? Look, we're not <laughs> talking about race or gender here, where right? I have to be careful. The reason people hate salespeople is because most salespeople suck. They've <laughs> earned this shit. This isn't something we was given and we picked up and ran with. We earned it. Every ounce of of negative criticism we get from selling. And here's the crazy part. Every sales organization I go into, there is some level of shitty salespeople with everybody. I I don't know where it came from, why we can't get rid of it, whatever, but it's awful. Salespeople just are too self-oriented. Sales organizations, the way they're structured, incent in many times, shitty sales practices, and it just funnels all the way down. So here's what I say to my clients. And a lot of my consulting when I have to do with salespeople comes from delivering this message. Okay. The single most important thing a salesperson can do to be successful in selling is this, get the customer or prospect to be willing to let you help them. That is the absolute start and foundation of sales. And I don't think I've seen that in any sales book. And I've read my, I can't tell you how many sales books I've read. They talk about, you know, help solve their problems, right? They talk about find their needs. They talk about solving solutions. They talk about all this stuff, right? Which and, right. And they're all right, but no one has netted out to what's most important before I can solve your problems, before I can offer solutions, you have to, as the prospect or customer, be vulnerable and say, Hey, 
Will you help me? Or I will let you help me. And once I'm willing to let you help me and I invite you in, then I'll tell you about the problems I'm having. Then I'll tell you about why I'm struggling. Then I'll show you what I'm doing today that's not working. Then I'll tell you what I'd like to do in the future. Then I'll tell you how much I can afford. Right, yeah. But until I am willing to let you help me, it's a conflict. And it's right. a conflict that's getting worse because people have been so – it's a vul- it's a point of vulnerability, right? Right. I'm vulnerable and you just fucked me. So you know what? I'm not going to do this again. You sold me something I didn't need or you took advantage of me. You charged me too much to hell with you. So now it's a conflict with the good salesperson and I'm only going to tell you what I need. I'm going to make you do an RFP that doesn't help you a goddamn <laughs> bit. Waste everybody's freaking time because I'm not willing to let you help me because I don't trust you. Right. How do you establish that trust then? Knowledge. You have to demonstrate as a salesperson – that you know enough about their world and what is possible and what they could be dealing with and how you could solve it and what the impact of, of solving it is and how that new vision could improve their world and have a real-world conversation with them. And when you can engage them in that type of conversation and you demonstrate that you understand that stuff and you bring things to the table that they didn't know or they hadn't thought of or you make suggestions they're like, and you educate them, right. you teach them, then you got them. I, I've written many articles, and one of my favorite things is, and you can look this up, it's um, don't build sales organizations, build teaching organizations. Mm. When your sales organization is running from the mindset that I'm here to teach you, you know, and, and I may sell, oh, crap, I don't know, I sell, uh, I sell phone systems. The more I can teach you not about the phone – not about the technology of the phone, but the more I can teach you on how to leverage that phone to improve your business, to improve your customer base, base to drive customer service, to be more efficient with the people in your organization, and I can show you how to leverage that, Right. you've got my attention or I've got your attention. And yes. then all of a sudden I'm going to say, wait a minute, I didn't know this. I, I need you to teach me more. I need you to teach me more. And when there's a gap in knowledge, right? when there's a gap in knowledge, we let people in because we want that gap filled. That's a good point. You know, I, I'm struck by two things. So the first thing I'll tell you is my wife and I, and I've talked about this on the podcast at length, went through a bunch of infertility to get our first daughter. We, uh, we had four failed IUIs. We were considering IVF, uh, adoption, or just being like childless bohemians. And we were going to do some, you know, we were just going to explore for a while. We were done. We went through a lot of stress. When I put that out into the world and I expressed some vulnerability and I offered it, I volunteered it. People just came out of the woodwork and said, man, I've been dealing with the same thing. Do you ever advise sales teams or is, is this a practice that doesn't work necessarily in this context to express some vulnerability first and you make that invitation or uh, is, is that counterproductive? No, I, I, that's a really interesting question. And I'm going to let you teach me if you see something I'm not seeing here. I don't know that a salesperson can be quote unquote vulnerable first. Right. Right. I don't know what they stand to lose. Right. With that said, this is where the teaching part comes in. Rather than running through the world with check out my product, check out my product, lead through the world that talks about the problems, you know, that people are facing and offer solutions, offer insight. Offer, um, you know, one of my favorite things is I make my my sales uh, my clients go through a uh, process where I ask them to list all the problems that they solve for their, that their product solves for their customer. Right? right. I want to list them all. List them all down. I want to know everyone real problems, not just high level problems, real business problems. And then I want you to tell me the impact of that problem, 
what happens when that problem exists. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to tell me what causes the problem. Okay. And if you can start talking about what causes the problem in your <clears throat> social media engagement or when you connect with someone, you'll begin to get trust. So let's use your example here. Right now, I, I'm leaning in because I don't know all that much about I, IUI. IUI. It's called and, intrauterine insemination. Okay. It, you're, you're basically shortcutting the normal process by which a sperm reaches an egg. So, okay, got it. Okay, yeah. so you less swimming. You drop them off at the at the destination type <laughs> right. of thing, right? Yeah, it's okay. It, yeah, it's basically like uh, you you do a fantasy draft of sperm. Yeah, and uh, you get the best ones, and then you basically take an Uber up the normal canal. Yeah, and drop them off closer to the destination. Got it. Okay, so that's how that works. So imagine you're. You, you, I learn that you're childless and struggling to have a child, and I'm a a doctor, and I want you to go right. with me instead of someone else, right? Most Doctors, most let's use doctors in place of salesperson. Most sales doctors would tell you why they are better. Our Uber is faster. Our, right. you know, where you know we we pick better all star fantasy draft, right? We do all right. this better. We do it better, right? I believe the best salesperson says, "Listen, let me explain to you what's happening. The reason we do this is because the path." in a traditional environment is fraught with these things. Mm. This is what prevents this from happening. This is what prevents that from happening, right? The reason that you know many people in your situation are unable to is because this is what's happening and this is going. So now I'm explaining to you. So you're almost walking it back from, yes. from the entry point of yes. the conversation. Yes. And so by doing that, do you believe I have a better understanding of the problem? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so if you believe I have a better understanding of the problem, who do you trust more to solve it? Right. What, I mean, what you're describing fundamentally is, are you selling on product or are you selling based on need, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. But I'm going one step behind. I'm, I'm building trust because your yeah. question is, oh, yeah, right, exactly. Absolutely. how do I build that trust? Well, by demonstrating to you that I understand the environment at which we're working. Now, those cake cats may have it too. They may not. Right? Sure. But I'm going to win every time by starting with helping you understand what we're faced with, helping you understand why I know it better. And oh, by the way, they may think theirs is more, using the word better technology, but once I say to you, look, theirs does it for this reason, we chose this path because we think they missed this. Right. Right. And so our solution takes that into consideration, too. Now, you may still go choose them. But now you choose you're sitting and saying, okay, how do I what do I how do I solve for that thing he threw out that I know that they don't address. Right. Right? And it's not a feature. I started with why the feature exists. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you go back to them, why don't you have this feature unless they can be show that they understand that piece. Right. Whether they just dismiss it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, you can't just dismiss that. He told me that's critical <laughs> to the process, and you're just dismiss- <laughs> I don't trust you. You try to sell me your product, right? Right. That's how you win. That's interesting. As I think back, I, I had one minor stop off in my career, and I'm not going to name them by name, but I worked for an energy drink company. As part of my interview, one of the people who was interviewing me said, put a can of Go Fast on the table and said, sell me this can of Go Fast, which is like the oldest. Yeah sales construction ever sell me this pen mm-hmm. you know <laughs> uh what do you think of that hoary old trope uh, someone did that to me back in the day and so okay all right for a tool to measure how well somebody can sell mm-hmm. it's a piece of shit yeah okay it's awful as a tool to understand how quickly somebody can put together an Arguments, mm. how quickly somebody can ascertain an environment and position something, it's brilliant. Okay. 
Okay, because look, when you drop that in front of me, I'm staring at it and I've got to quickly determine what do I want to lead with? How do I want to connect this person with it? How complex do I want to make it be? How do I make it different than the guy who sat in here before me? And these are like made in milliseconds, right? Yeah, milliseconds. So you can quickly ascertain how well somebody can process that type of information. You know, like the Wolf on Wall Street. I know it's only a movie, but that cat he did it to was like, uh, uh, uh. I don't care if he's a good salesperson or not. What I quickly learned was he wasn't good on his feet. Right, sure. And so, look, if you think being good on your feet is important, then yeah. All right, then, do it. Then that's, a, then that's an accurate measurement tool. Yeah, if you want to find people good on their feet, yes. Okay. So if I, was, if I was trying to hire people to do the Greenpeace shit they do on the 16th Street Mall, you know, <laughs> you know, sign up for Greenpeace, I'd absolutely have them do that. Okay. Because think about how fast you have to be on your feet at Greenpeace, right? right? If I'm trying to get someone who's selling a $5 million a year uh, piece of technology to, to the government or to manufacturing plant, I could care less. <laughs> One thing I'm struck by is you've taken this, this old like, – and I think everyone knows that exercise. If, if you've done sales on any level, some motherfucker somewhere has probably done that to you. Mm-hmm. What you're describing is you're almost flipping it on its head and using it for a different purpose, which to me is brilliant because it's, it's taking something that already exists and recontextualizing it entirely. So no, I'm not recontextualizing it. No, you are. No, I'm looking at it for what it. You know what that's like. I really appreciate it. I should give you a hug for a couple, <laughs> but no, it's 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 like someone dropping a donut in front of me and saying, "Make it spaghetti." And it's like <laughs> I can't do that. Okay, I will try, but the truth of the matter is, you're asking something that is is not relevant. And right. all I've done is just said, it's a donut, so I can make it dessert, right? I can. I'm keeping it real. So the, this idea of sell me the pen and, and sell me the go fast. The problem with that isn't the go fast or the pen. The problem is the person who did it believes, this is key, the person who did it believes that the response somehow is reflective of somebody's sales skills. Okay, right. And it's not. So I'm not, I'm just talking about agitating. I'm calling a spade a spade. It's not. So I'm not flipping it. I'm sure. What does it really do? And let's call it what it is. Right. And I, and I would argue, okay, fine. Then maybe your insight is a little bit better than the people who would well, use that. Well, that's true. Okay. That's how I've won. That's, you went all the way back to my brand. How do I win being who I am? I bring insight few people bring. Okay. Fair enough. So a, a fundamental question here. On, on your sort of origin story, on about you, it says, you know, you've been selling for 20 years, which you don't give a shit about. And you said on some level, you've been selling your entire life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So... Take me back. Like, why sales? And, and how did this... Give me a little bit of the origin story, Keenan, here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. So I was a really rambunctious kid. Um, pretty selfish, self-absorbed. Wanted to do my own thing. Super, super high energy. Like, they tried putting me on Ridlin back right. in those days. That's before they had HD8, whatever it is. ADHD. Thank you, ADHD. Look, with, with all due respect to everybody out there, and I've read some stories, and I'm sure there are some kids who are just way off the charts. The majority of us are just kids, and we've we've constructed these systems that are not conducive to rambunctious children. It, look, it's it's a social construct. I don't want to get off the sidetrack. But anyways, so yeah, I was right. one of those kids before ADHD was whatever. Sure. And I was on Ridlin. And so I would get in trouble a lot. And so when I talk about selling most of my life, what I started to – there were two – oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Two things in my life, can't think of the word, where ha- that happened a lot 
that were, if I hadn't learned to resolve or handle, my life was just miserable. Right. One was I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I had a lot of friends. <laughs> so and I never wanted to do what they wanted to do. So I had to figure out how to get them to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> right. It didn't always work that way, but I, I, I really quickly started to figure out how to, to get kids to do what I want to do. I keep thinking, you know, Tom Sawyer and painting the white fence, right? So, and then the other one was getting out of trouble. I would get in trouble a lot, you know, just stupid shit. And they'd ground me or punish me, and, and I hated it. So I What, like mischief shit? Just yeah, like- yeah, I don't know, punching my sister or, or brother or, you know, uh, stealing candy from the penny store, not coming home on time. Or right. when I got into older, when I got older, I was 21, driving the Jeep across campus, the campus lawn. I mean, right. just, just, just stupid stuff. Just hooligan shit. Right? Yes, yes, yes. So what I learned in both situations was if you want people to change their mind, if you which is – kind of sales now but back then it was pretty hard pressure sales tactics right if you want people to change their mind you've got to give them a reason to change their mind right you can't tell them your reason to change their mind hmm. and once once that light bulb went off everything changed so if i was playing with all the kids and and they started getting hip to this by the way if we mm-hmm. would play if i wanted to play kickball and they wanted to play hide and go seek I'd, I'd be like in the past I'd be like no we got to play kickball it's better and did it and and finally that didn't work i'm like well, why do you guys want to play hide and go seek i stopped telling and i started asking why do you want to play hide and go seek and they would give a reason i'm like yeah but but what about this and what and i would and i'd say but then we could do that this way and i would start crafting sure a solution that met the reasons they wanted to play hide and go seek that aligned with what I wanted to do. Right. So instead of the instead of hitting them with a frying pan in the face, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of I want to do this, you guys want to do this, and you're wrong. It's okay. So you guys want to do this. Let's explore why. Yes. <laughs> and uh, through a series of questions, you're going to realize on your own that uh, kickball is my- really what you want to yeah. play. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exa- exactly. And same thing with getting in trouble. Right. I would do the same thing. It's like, okay, mom, you just sent me to my room for four hours, but but why do you want to sit in the room for four hours? Well, because you hit your sister. But but mom, I mean, what do you think I'm going to do in this room for four hours? Do you think that's going to get me to stop hitting my sister? And, and my mom would look like, what you, high? But I would keep having this conversation <laughs> with her. And finally, she'd be like, okay, you're right. Four hours is a little bit. And, you know, that doesn't really relate to hitting your sister. So instead, I want you to – I'm making stuff up now. I want you to, to write an apology to your sister and help her clean her room. Well, that never took four hours. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, I didn't get out of getting punished, but I always got a reduction in ter- – you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I always got a reduction in terms, yeah. A reduction in sentence? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Exactly. Uh-huh. Always. Oh, man, that's too funny. So when did you realize that you could translate this into actual money? Consciously, probably consciously when I was 27. So I was, you know, a little known fact about me. I modeled for years from about 21 till 28. What 29. kind of modeling? Like, Modeling my, I was agencies here in Denver. Yeah, but like runway, print, runway, print. I was in the newspaper all the time. I, I did Eastern Mountain Sports campaigns. Okay. Was Eastern Mountain Sports in the country. I worked with um, uh, Tommy Hilfiger and did a bunch of Tommy Hilfiger shows and wow. worked side by side with him. So, okay. um, so like the full spectrum of modeling. Yeah, I never made GQ or anything. So if modeling is a really interesting thing, right? You, right? It's very similar to baseball. It really is. You have your your superstars, all stars, and then ones that we all know. Uh-huh. Then you have what's called your major leagues, and that's if you are in basically in New York or some parts of Europe, and you those are the people who are in L and GQ, and they're doing it full time, making you know between a hundred and a million bucks. Women always make more than men, right? right? Of course. Then you have what I'll call your AAA, 
right? Or your B-level models. And they're working in big cities like this. And they're doing it full time. But they may, you know, maybe if they're lucky making 100K, every once in a while might show up in one of those. A lot of commercial work with right. with brands, but not editorials. So editorials are stuff you see where there's no name against it. Does that make any sense? Like yeah, if yeah, you yeah. open up L GQ and they're all in these outfits, but there's no advertising. Okay. That's called editorial. Okay, yeah. The really cool stuff, right? Right, right. Then you see what it says, you know, made in F and someone's walked. That's commercial. Okay. okay. And so you have people in the who live in markets like this, and then you have, let's say, the A or double A, and they live in small markets like Kansas City, and they do the local shit. And so I was like a like a low end triple A guy, right? right? I was doing that stuff. I would pop my head up like with the Tommy Hilfiger. I went to South Beach, Miami, and. And I was getting on with Irene Marie and and trying to get into the A League. Sure. And a buddy called me and said, "Look, you got to cut this shit out. You got to come home. I got a job for you at the Chamber Metro of Ch- Denver, Denver Metro, Metro Chamber. Yes, it's where I met Steve. Oh right? no, yeah, yes. no shit. Yes. That's right. And you'll and look, you're a salesman. You've always been a sales guy. You need to come home. And he's like, and he, and he told me what I'd make. And I was like, okay, I did the math. And I was like, okay, this is a this is a better long term decision. I, I I could could maybe if I get lucky. I knew I was never going to be a Tyson Beckford. I knew that. Right. But I could. I thought I could maybe squeeze into the A level. But I'm like, okay, maybe two, three, four years at this, living in New York, and but it's going to end. Right. And I knew I was smart. And I was like, okay, if I can get to the three or four hundred thousand dollars, I might make doing this. In the business world, I could do that for the next 50 years. Right. So I came back, and the answer to your question is I sold for that chamber. I did it for one year, broke every sales record, was their top salesperson, and was offered a job that doubled my salary selling IT consulting services within one year. I was like, oh, I'm good at this. Okay, nice. And that was it. Wow. So, Long story, short answer. No, that, yeah. that's, uh, that's fascinating to me because I – I love the journey. I mean, the journey is always unique to everyone. And that's part of what I do on this show. That's part of my brand proposition is showing people that wherever they end up is is not where these people started. Hell like, no. The road is always just so fucking fascinating to me, no matter how it unfolds. So when you do like the chamber versus IT consulting, is that more – and do you make a distinction here? Is that more hard sell or soft sell? No, neither. Okay. The sell is the same. So everybody listen to, listen, listen closely, listen closely. If you think the job you're in requires a different way to sell, you suck at selling. Okay. Stop it. Now, the sales cycles could be shorter and longer, right? So at the chamber, it was a short sales cycle. It was a, it, generally speaking, it was only a $500 purchase on average. It was a couple, I sold a $10,000 one that took a little longer, but not a lot of decision makers. It's faster. But the fundamental premise doesn't change. Okay. I've got to get you to let me help you <laughs> right. offer a solution that delivers additional value, moves you from a current state to a future state that is worth the investment. Whether yeah. that's a fucking bottle of water or a multi-billion dollar conglomerate you're buying, it doesn't change please stop pretending it does the sell the selling motion doesn't change so the muscles are the same exactly the same okay so the underlying philosophy doesn't change even if it's even if you work in like a retail store right yep um and someone comes into your store looking for a product yep versus someone who makes a lot of cold calls yep to you the distinction isn't really there no the only difference is someone comes into the someone comes into the retail store, they just jumped the gun and said, I need your help. 
They, they, right, they've okay. gotten there and said, hey, I need you to help me. So they just <laughs> circum- circumvented the process, right? So it's like the IUI of sales. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the IUI of sales. Yes, they walked in and said, I have a problem and I need you to help me. Right. And even in B2B sales, they do the same thing, but you, not very often. So you okay. can't make quota waiting for them. Every once in a while, they call Bluebird. Someone calls in, says, I have a problem. I want some. I need help. I mean, think about this. Right. I don't know how we've missed this. People call and said, can somebody help me? Right. right. I mean, right. Is it, can somebody help me? Well, in, in, if you want to grow a sales organization, you can't wait for those. So you have to go out and find someone and explain to them why they should let you help them. Right. It's like boiler room. You're waiting for someone to just stand up and shout reco. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So that, that actually makes perfect sense to me. And that, that was a nice way to tie that, <laughs> tie that together. So in terms of starting this consulting company, and this is a fairly rote question, so forgive the pedestrian setup here. But in terms of what's different from when you started it versus where we are now and where do you see it going in the future? I mean, I know that's as basic a question as you can ask, but it's something that's interesting to me. Or do the tools change, but the fundamental job is the same? That's a great question because that's how I was going to answer it. I think the fundamental job is the same. I, I Look, I learn as I go. I I've grown with each customer and each client. You see things you didn't expect. You, you see different personalities. You see different concerns, but the general premise is the same. My, my, I have a, a framework called strategy, structure, people, process. That doesn't change. And, uh, I'm still pissed that the prophet came out because he uses people, process, technology. And I was out before that. But anyways, right. so I structure my whole framework around that. But to your point, what's changed the most and it's continuing to change again, why I believe you know, sales guys, one of the better consulting firms is we're so agile that we're on top of this. The world of sales from the tools and methodologies is changing so quickly. I mean, look, you got social selling, you've got right. um, account-based marketing, account-based selling, you have inside sales, outside sales, you have content marketing. I mean, there were just so many different aspects. The importance of marketing and sales connecting and working together has changed dramatically. So when you look at all of these things, if you are not on the front edge, you are not on the on the curve of this and have a framework that allows you to understand not only if one of these new methodologies, for lack of a better word, new methodologies is required, you're not doing your clients any favors, right? Right. So uh, to me, at the end of the day, I think it's just about being able to provide better value by understanding new methodologies, new frameworks that you can help your client adopt should they fit. Okay. So... I mean, in, in terms of what you're describing to me is you provide almost like the, uh, it, it, it's almost like the superstructure under which you can incorporate these things yes. or not. Yes. Okay. That makes, that makes good sense to me. And as a communications consultant, one of the things that I do that is hard is people will say, I need to do more earned media. The first question I ask them is why? Why? Exactly. Like what, what do you, to what end is this going to serve your business? Mm-hmm. And what are your business goals that your communications program should be driving? And they can't always answer that. And I go, okay, it's exactly what you're describing to me. You got to take a step back. It's like, okay, let's understand your business. Where is it today? Where do you want it to go? And how can these tools facilitate it? And a lot of times I'll say to people, I'm like, if, if this communications program isn't going to serve your bottom line, then don't fucking do it. Yeah. Like we're, we're just going to waste both of our times and get really frustrated about mm-hmm. it. So it's refreshing to hear that because especially because as I said, sometimes sales has a negative connotation, but what you're, you're describing is almost a heightened level of empathy. Yes. I mean, it, that, that is the core of, of what we're both trying to do here. Yes. You need to understand who you're working with and you both win that way. So it's yeah, fascinating. I mean, me. look, it, it, 
I mean, if if I had a little more time to process how I would say this, I, salespeople, in, in my opinion, nothing more than – well, okay, that's not true. Brand, salespeople should be, should be, most of them aren't, but should be nothing more than branded business consultants, right? If you really break this down, the best salespeople in the world would be business consultants that just so happen to be attached to a single brand that delivers a single solution. Hmm, but they're still leading with, I, will, I understand your business. I understand the nuances. I understand the competitive landscape. I understand the processes. I understand how those processes impede your ability to get where you want to go. So I'm going to make recommendations to remove those impediments, to accelerate growth, and to deliver on your goals. And it just so happens to be this product. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how they should go into it. They should go into right. it that way. I, I think that's a great philosophy. Well, I'll tell you what. I know you got something coming up, and uh, I, I've kept you from lunch as well because nah, okay. I know I know it's okay. But uh, I mean, you're a guy on the go, so uh, we've been doing this for about 52 minutes, which uh, I think we're at a good spot. So okay. let's um, on this show. I, I'm happy to do plugs, so I'm sure you got plenty to plug. Feel free to plug anything you want. Where can we find you? Uh, you know, I think rather than okay, I, in the beginning I said Google, right? Google Jim Keenan. And you'll find me everywhere. Google Keenan, not so much. It kills me. It's a whole different story. <laughs> a lot of Keenans out there. I was surprised. But Google Jim Keenan, I'm all the first pages. But I think the plug I would like to most, in spite of all this being about sales, is a lot of the things that I'm talking about now, we've talked about now, what you're doing right now at this podcast are what I call 21st century skills. Right? right, the world has changed. Doing this podcast 15 years ago would have been almost impossible. Even right. if you had the technology, the distribution platforms didn't exist. So right. for you to get it out for people to find couldn't happen. You're smart enough to say, hey, here's a new medium that gets me exposure that can increase people's awareness of me, allows me to teach people, build an audience, all of that. And so the reason what I want to plug is my book, Not Taught. Yeah. Right. My book, Not Taught, is all about helping people understand how this world has changed and the opportunities afforded them if they can pick their heads up and recognize that what you did, what your mom and dad taught you, what schools are teaching you as far as advancing your career and getting exposure and, and building networks in, in that resume. Please don't talk about resumes. If you're talking about a resume and you're not on LinkedIn, you got your head up your ass. So there's so <laughs> much that has changed and not top breaks it all down for you. And if you are serious about advancing your career and getting to the next level, go pick it up. Okay. So, I mean, what you're saying is everything that, that you've been taught up to this point is incomplete, Right. Wrong. Not even incomplete. Flat out Just wrong. wrong. Yes. I mean, here's a perfect example, right? Look, the, the, the environments we're in in society are dictated by what's happening around us, right? Right. So when we left the agra agrarian uh, – bear with me, and you can edit this however you want. <laughs> no, 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 this okay? will be perfect. When we were in the agrarian society, right, and all of a sudden the Industrial Revolution started happening, and you decided, look, I don't want to farm the rest of my life. I don't want to be a sustenance farm. It's too difficult. I'm going to move into the city, right? You could move into the city and you could get a job as a, a, a worker, right? A like a machine worker. Machine worker, man, machinist, right? But if you wanted to get ahead, if you wanted to move ahead in the industrial age, what was the one thing you needed? Tell me. An education. That's right. Right? I mean, that's, you, you couldn't, you, you didn't need an education to be a farmer. So since right. you needed to know shit, like plant and all that, but you didn't need an education. Why do we think all of a sudden from basically 1900 to 2000, all people talked about was going to college and getting an education? Because right. there was a clear line between your ability to advance in that industrial age 
in now. So if my book had been written during the agrarian society, all I would be talking about is the importance of an education. Go to the library if you can't afford to go to school. Educate yourself because this is what's required. Right. Well, now when we go into this one, it's it's a little more complex, but the same thing. So back then we talked about time. Show up, punch in, punch out. That's what they needed. They had these rote systems that went like this and they needed you to do the job, do it the same way, do it really well from 8 to 5 or 9 to 5, right? Mm-hmm. Now we don't want that. We need thinkers, Computers can do that stuff. Anything that can be done from nine to five in the exact same way is going to be replaced by computers. They need thinkers. So now people don't care about time. They care about results. What can you get done? Another one is people don't care about experience doing it for 20 years. They want to know what you actually know. Right? They don't care about your resume anymore. They care about your brand. So when I go to Google and I Google with you, I can't find you. I'm concerned because what's wrong? What's wrong with you? If I go to LinkedIn, you have two connections. What's wrong with you? Right. Right. I mean, so there's so many things, and it's not even incomplete. It's just flat out wrong. Interesting. Flat out wrong. Wow. This is just a, a minor sidebar, but it's it's fascinating to me. And I'm sure when you go in and consult with companies, you see this a lot. I was amazed when I was in my corporate job that you'll meet people and you'll come across people who get to a point and they go, this is as far as I'm going to go, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. And it's weird. I, I don't know if we all reach that point. It, it seems unlikely, but the people I talk to on this show are always interested in learning more and doing different stuff and challenging themselves and doing interesting things. When I meet people who go, yep, this is my job. I'm going to, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this. I have no interest in promotion and I'm just going to ride this out until retirement. I go, Jesus, how is that a way to live? That it's just confounding to me. And I don't, I don't know how often you come across that. I come across it all the time and I'm going to take that person and break them into two people. Okay. Okay. And actually I admire one of them and the other one's a clown and I, they usually don't last past my tenure, I usually, they're gone, right? Right. The one who doesn't make it is the one who is just cruising. They don't want to put in the extra work. They don't want to move up the ladder. They just want to sort of sit in their seat and, and try to ride, like you said, ride it out to the end. Well, the problem with that is their value is being diminished day in and day out. Right. Okay. So those people are clowns. If you're one of those people, you need to do some serious soul searching, figure out why. It means you're probably doing something you're not passionate about, but you've, you've built the brick wall around your house because you spent all this money on a big house with this, that, and you can't get out. You, you just can't get out. Now you're stuck. So you got to unwind it. Right. Can't help you. You got to figure that out. Get real. The other one though is the person who genuinely loves what they're doing. Right. A good example is salespeople. It's probably one of your best clear examples. I don't want to be a sales manager. I don't want to manage people. I don't want to tell these. I like selling and I can make $250,000 a year selling. And as long as that person is continually to grow, you know, my, oh, they're the first one on social media. Oh, they're leveraging content. Oh, they came up with this. Oh, they introduced this book. Hey, I love those people. Like coders, another example. This guy doesn't ever want to be a, a, a head of IT, but boy, he is always the one with the best code. He's bringing the new frameworks to the table. He's bringing the new objects to the table. Hug those people. Right. Everybody needs to go up. They're trying to be experts in their field and just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in their field. And I love those people. Hug them and kiss them because the world evolves around them. No shit. I, that's that's a really good point because. If you have advancement dreams, in ter- especially in terms of corporate, you're gonna take they're gonna take you out of your field of expertise, mm-hmm. and you're just gonna be managing people. Yes, like that, uh, and that's so weird. Yes, but uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what we're uh, we're about in an hour. We're gonna call this a show, Keenan. Uh, this this was just enormous fun uh, getting to just feed off some of your energy, and uh, I I think you dropped some really great knowledge in terms of sales. So thank you, and continued success to you. Thank you, baby. I really enjoyed it. Good stuff. And hell yeah, that wraps up episode 99 of the John of All Trades podcast. One shy of a century, 
and I don't think I've had anyone call me baby to conclude an episode yet. Thank you, Keenan. Thank you for taking time. Find him on Google, he said. Google Jim Keenan. Or, you know what? You can go to the John of All Trades companion blog. J-O-N of all trades.us. Find a picture of us. Find the episode. We have every episode of the John of All Trades podcast housed on the website. And additionally, you'll find links to a salesguy.com. You'll find a bunch of Keenan stuff on there where you can find his book. And I highly encourage you to check him out. Incredibly inspirational guy. Gave me great insight. And I'm just thrilled that I got some time with him. Thanks also to Steve Silvers for setting it up means a lot to me. Hey, if you have someone you think should be on this show, someone who's interesting, someone who we can learn from, hit me up. Go to johnofalltrades.us. You can find a contact form there or hit me up on social media. J-O-A-T-Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest. Those are all great places to get in touch with me. I'll see you back here next week. It's the 100th episode. I'm excited for what that's going to be. I'm going on the other side of the mic and I'm getting the questions asked to me. So be sure to check that out. And until we see you next week, for number 100, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.